0: As Neil said, this is the final part of our series on Philippians, so I'm going to be reading from chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading from verse 10 until the end, and after I've spoken, we're going to do something before the breaking of bread that we've never done before in the 40 odd years that I've been coming to Kings, more about that later, <laughs> to keep you in suspense a little bit, Okay. So the Apostle Paul is writing, he's imprisoned in uh, Rome probably, he's writing to the Philippian church, just to remind you of that. Chapter 4, verse 10, Paul begins to conclude the letter and he writes this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Lovely letter, that. I was walking along Desborough Road, just outside, the other week. And I was just thanking the Lord for his amazing kindness. Just quietly to myself, as it were, I was just saying, thank you, Jesus, for you know, the blessings that I've had. I have. I was also thinking about the fact that that many people live without any recognition of God or any gratitude towards him. I was thinking that it's so easy to take things for granted. I find that in my own life that I Tend to take things for granted just because I've grown up in this kind of environment. Something like, for example, running water in the home. You kind of take that for granted. Going to the shops, there's going to be plenty of food there. You kind of take that for granted. The infrastructure of our society, you take that kind of things for granted. Or I certainly do from time to time. I was just thanking the Lord. Took a moment to do that. It's so easy to think that this is it. You know, the the environment around us, you know, it's pretty solid and. it seems as if the physical world is, is the thing that is in our face, as it were. This is the reality that we're faced. It's the physical world that's here, and this is it. But then I was wondering, as I was walking along the road, I was wondering if, in fact, every molecule, every atom, every nucleus, every part of our DNA, I was just thinking about this, and I was just wondering, I wonder if it's actually, all that's actually actively held together by God, by his power. And then uh, a scripture about Christ popped into my mind from Hebrews. Where the writer says of Christ. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature. Upholding the universe by his word of power. I love that line. Upholding the universe by his word of power. And in the NIV it says sustaining all things by his powerful word. So if that's true, which I believe it is, every fiber, every atom, every particle doesn't exist independently from God, but everything is dependent on his holding things together actively. So think about it. If God did not sustain every single atom of the chair that you're sitting on right now, you would fall down to the floor. Many people have this I think, crazy idea that either God doesn't exist or that if he does, he's not particularly active in the world. As the song goes, from a distance. Yeah, But that's certainly not the Apostle Paul's experience. And he doesn't want us to think the same too. No, no. For Paul, Christ is actively involved in his situations, whether good or bad. So one of the things I want to say this morning, or I would like you to get out of it, is to recognize that God is actively involved in your situations, whether good or not. Paul writes in verse 12 here, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now Paul's contentment doesn't come from being detached from life. It doesn't come like he's not saying I'm going to be like some kind of ascetic hermit. Somebody who withdraws from the world and someone who doesn't need an awful lot to survive. He's not saying that's the kind of life I'm living in order to be content. He's not talking about that. Paul, in fact, is a very sociable person. When you read his letters, he refers to so many people in them. Sends greetings from these people to those people. He mentions Epaphroditus. He mentions Euodia. He mentions mentions Syntyche and others in this letter alone. So he's not saying, no, I'm detached from the world. And that is the basis of my contentment. Neither is he saying, I don't appreciate your help. He's clearly grateful for the help, for the partnership in the gospel. But he's saying that he has learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He's learned the secret. Do you want a sense of contentment in your life? Whether you have a lot or a little. He's learned the secret, he says. To learn something takes time and practice. Think about the learning of your own life for a moment. I guess most of us here, if you had an education in the UK or perhaps in another country, you'd have learned the alphabet. Yes? Well, that took time and practice. Or you learned your times tables. Six times two is 12. Do you remember those days? Six times three is 18. Is it? Yeah? And so on. (laughs) It takes time and practice. So you learn to drive a car. It takes time and practice. So Paul is saying here, I've learned the secret. So what is the secret? Well, the wonderful thing is this. The secret is not an it. The secret is a person. And Paul has found Christ to be utterly trustworthy. He's found that even when times are tough, that God is with him. And that he is working out his good purpose. This can be a very difficult lesson to learn. It's so easy, I think, anyway, in my experience, to equate the good times, things are going well, this is God's blessings upon my life. Things are falling into place nicely in many areas. Therefore, I'm under God's blessing. Things are not going so well. There are difficulties, there are obstacles, there are tragedies even. God's blessing has disappeared. It's easy to think that. But I was thinking the other day, what is God's purpose for my life? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What is the purpose of my life? Just ask yourself that question for a moment now. What's the purpose of my life? I would suggest that one, not just me, I think the Bible backs me up on it. I would suggest that one of the major purposes is that God wants you, me, to become like Christ. That's a major purpose for your life. That God wants you to become like Christ. The apostle Paul writes about that in Romans 8 where he says, For those God you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So if that's true, that one of the major purposes for my life, for your life, is that we become like Christ, if that's true, then there must be a purpose behind my life experiences. Sometimes it may seem hidden. I told you this is a difficult lesson to learn, but God wants us to become like Christ. Could it be that what I'm going through can be used to shape me to become like Christ? Could it be that what you're going through in your life right now could be the purpose of God to help shape you to become like Christ? As you look back on your life, I'm sure most of us, it's not all been a bed of roses. There have been difficulties to overcome. Maybe even now we're facing things that we'd rather not be facing. Could it be that the purpose that God has even to use those experiences is to make us to become like Christ? Or maybe you're praying and not seeing the answers we heard earlier. And we have to learn patience. Christ prays in John's gospel for his disciples that we may be one. Well, if anyone's had to have patience for that one, and Christ prayed that about 2000 years ago over 2000 years 2000 years ago and he's patiently waiting for the answer to that prayer or maybe you've had a busy week you're tired you go to bed and your crying child wakes you in the night you have to get up and you have to put their needs before you run isn't that Christ like The experiences, the life experiences that we go through, there's an overarching purpose. And one of them is that God wants us to become like his beloved son. And it's not simply the good things of life. It's also some of the difficult things in life that shape us to become like him. However, when we look at the task of becoming like Christ, to us it seems impossible. How can it be? You might as well ask me to go and build the Eiffel Tower on my own. I'm not going to be able to do it. To become like Christ, wow, is impossible. Well, only God could make that happen. And Paul has learned the secret. The secret is a person. Hence him saying in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So whatever you're facing, God can give you strength in that situation. How does he do it? He does it by giving each Today, our daily bread, as Jesus taught us to pray. In other words, there's a daily provision that God wants to give us for each situation we encounter. So what are you facing today in your life? God wants to give you the strength in order for you to be able to face it. So what are you experiencing in your life at present What kind of things are going on? Are there areas of plenty? Because Paul talks about, I've learned the secret of being content when there's times of plenty, when there's times of need, when I'm in want, when I've got a lot. So what areas of plenty might there be in your life? Well, I've grouped them into three categories. Social is one. Maybe there's some good family times. You've got supportive friends. Relationships going well. If that's the case for you, then that's a time of plenty. Or financially, you're not in financial need. You've got more than enough. That's a time of plenty. Or physically, you're in good health. You're enjoying good health. That's a time of plenty. What about areas of need? Social areas of need. Some family breakdown maybe. Difficult relationships. Feeling lonely. Not finding the right person. Relationships not going so well. That's a time of need. Or financial. In financial need. Struggling to make ends meet. Can't wait till the next payday. Perhaps that's a time of need too. Or physically, you may have health concerns. You may have hospital appointments, visits to the doctor, cocktail of pills to take. That's a time of need, isn't it? God's word tells us that he is with us and we sang about that this morning. I was quite thrilled during the worship because so much of what Steve had chosen, I thought echoed what I wanted to say this morning. God tells us that, that he's with us and will never leave us. God's word tells us that he is working out All things for our good. Do you believe that? God is working out all things for your good. More than that, God is working out all things so that you and I can become like His beloved Son. Impossible as it may seem. So, can we trust Him? Can we trust Him to give us the strength we need for the day we're facing? Can you trust Jesus to give you the strength? For the day that you're facing. We keep coming back to this person. Christ. He's the secret. Can we place our daily life with its times of need. And times of plenty in his hands. And later on we're going to break bread. We're going to have communion. And we're going to remind ourselves of what God has done in Christ. In order to reach out to us. God is incredibly amazing. To think that he is some distant guy sitting at the end of the galaxy watching us and giving us marks out of 10 for our performance is ludicrous. He's the the God of infinity who comes into time and space and makes himself so vulnerable. We had a baby crying out earlier. Christ made himself that vulnerable to come with that little child. He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The Bible puts it like that. But one who in every respect was tempted as we are. Fully man, fully God. Fully human, understanding everything to do with the human predicament. All the difficulties that you may face, you may have faced in life. The tragedies, the happy times. Jesus has faced them himself. If he didn't face them and seeing what his friends were doing, he saw them in his own experience. His death, the way he was treated. you think Jesus doesn't understand the predicaments that you and I face? Of course he does. Can we trust him? Look at his hands, look at his feet. Can we trust him? I've learned a secret, Paul says. I've learned it. It's taken time. It's taken effort, it's taken patience, it's taken perseverance. I have learned the secret, and the secret is not an it. The secret is a person, and he is with us in our daily walk. It doesn't mean we sit around doing nothing, of course. Paul's certainly not sitting around doing nothing in his situation. He's writing a letter to the Philippians for a start that's going to be read down through the ages. Not only that, he is sharing the gospel he says, the whole of Caesar's household. I mean, this man is just amazing. The strength that he received from God in his imprisonment is incredible. You know, Emperor Nero, that vile tyrant, cruel, wicked Roman emperor. At that time, Paul was there sharing with his, his bodyguards. and It's incredible. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul is very confident in Christ. His life is built on Christ. He stands on Christ. His security is in Christ. Where's yours? Where's your security? Because sometimes maybe our health may fail. Sometimes maybe our finances may fail. Sometimes our relationships may break down. Where's your security? Our security should be in the Lord himself. And Paul certainly is. And my God, he says, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul declares here the generosity of God. We had an offering a few minutes ago. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to, to give. And there are many opportunities to give, but however we give, whether we give time or whether we give money, one thing for sure, we can never outgive the Lord. never. Certainly personally, that would be my testimony, be join my testimony. We can never outgive Jesus. He is always giving to us, and riches beyond money. precious riches far beyond money. My God will supply all your needs. According to his riches in glory. Paul's learned the secret of contentment. The secret is a person. The secret is Christ. Who has a purpose for Paul's life. The secret of contentment is Christ. Who has a purpose for your life. To make you like him. Wow. How impossible is that? That could never happen in a million years. true. Unless there's someone else involved in your life. And that's God himself. Unless he is involved in your life, you'll never become like him. But because he is, if you've committed your life to Christ, then God has already begun that good work in you. And he's the one who's going to bring it to completion. Amen? Amen. So, what are you going through in your life? Times of need, times of plenty. Where are you finding your security? Right now. Are you finding it in Christ as Paul did? Are you acknowledging that he's the one who is with you? He's not from a distance. Not only does he uphold the universe by his word of power, but he upholds you and me. To our God and Father, Paul concludes, be glory forever and ever. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with your spirit right now. Amen? Amen. Now, today... We're going to do something that we've never ever done before Joanna leads us in the breaking of bread. Uh, in the history of King's Church. Never ever done it before. So I think this is incredibly exciting what we're going to do. So could I have the team up, please? We want you to be thoroughly blessed. This is why we're doing this, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to read As it says in the Bible, do not neglect the public reading of Scripture. We're going to read the book of Philippians. So sit back, relax, enjoy, absorb, and be thoroughly blessed.
1: This is a letter to the Philippians from Paul and Timothy. Servants of Christ Jesus.
2: To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my praise for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me.
1: Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters,
2: that what has happened to me
1: has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clearer throughout the whole of the palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or from true, Christ is preached and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision and the Spirit of Jesus Christ What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, you're boasting in Christ, Jesus will abound on account for me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ, then Whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you will stand firm in the one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle that you saw that I have, and now hear that I still have.
3: Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
4: Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me.
3: I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send you back Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, who you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you, and is distressed, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me.
1: Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have Reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me.
4: Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his
2: glorious body. Dear my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God.
1: Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you.
2: I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need.
3: I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet you all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
4: Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus
2: Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen.